Thank you for joining us today for TEDCO Talks, a new series featuring thought leaders in economic development from across the state of Maryland. Join TEDCO CEO, Troy Lamel Stovall, in thought-provoking conversations with regional leaders about the future of Maryland's innovation ecosystem. In this episode, Troy is joined by Christine Ross, President and CEO of the Maryland Chamber of Commerce. Listen now to learn more about Christine and the role she plays in supporting Maryland and DC's entrepreneurial ecosystem. Hello everyone. This is Troy Lamel Stovall, CEO and Executive Director of Maryland Techco. And yes, I'm getting ready for the spring. Spring is here, spring has sprung. And so I thought I'd break out some of my spring wear, particularly given our guest today, I really wanted to give her a sense of, of newness and recovery and, and, and the opportunities of hope that spring always brings. And so I wanna welcome one of, definitely one of our friends here in Maryland and friends of Techco, Christine Ross, who leads the Maryland Chamber. Christine, thank you for joining us today. Oh, Troy, thank you for inviting me. It's my pleasure. Cool. So uh, let's just jump right into it. Let's jump right into it. Um, you know, I, I, I like to really start these with um, having people tell their journey. And, and, and as I like to say, talk less to me and talk less to maybe that young lady out there who may hear about part of your journey and how you overcame and how you were able to, to move to, to being, you know, the head of the chamber here in Maryland. Sure, happy to talk about that. So I actually have an unusual journey. Um, I got a, out of college with a music education degree uh, and promptly couldn't find a job. So I pivoted to arts administration and learned the craft of public relations from uh, a really fine practitioner. And then ended up working for um, a construction company in Washington, DC with the business development uh, director and really help them put some polish on their PR and their marketing pieces. And then I promptly got married and had three boys and stayed home for 10 years. Wow. Um, in the midst of that, ended up uh, getting divorced and suddenly had to reinvent myself, music degree, and hadn't had a job in 10 years. So that was really an interesting time. And what I did is I started uh, volunteering at the local museum got back into marketing and PR, got my first chamber job up in Williamstown, Mass, and um, just fell in love with the uh, combination of helping small businesses succeed, working on policy, and the, the whole idea of workforce development and that next generation of leader was um, pulled together. So uh, all of that coming to, went back to school, Got two advanced degrees, one in uh, business, uh, an MBA, and a uh, degree in marketing, a master's in marketing, and uh, started going up through the chamber ladder. And what that means is I have a very understanding spouse, remarried quite some time ago, and uh, it's a lot like being in the military. If you want to go up, you got to move. Got to move, yeah. So I went to Falmouth, Massachusetts on Cape Cod. Mm-hmm. Then I went down to Southwest Florida, Bonita Springs, right above Naples. Naples. Yeah, yeah. And then I came up here five years ago and each time ran a bigger chamber. And this one being the state chamber was extremely appealing leadership opportunity for me. So that's a great story. And a part of part of what I hear in that story in particular is and there's a lot of women out there who stop out to to raise the family and, and, and the like. And 
being able to re-entry, my wife has, has had that challenge. And so I, I'm, I'm living that. So if you could speak to that a little bit, because I think particularly as we move to talking about entrepreneurship, it, it sounds like you, one of the things for me a spring is around how you recreate and reinvent yourself. And I hear that in your story. And I think others need to hear that. Yes. Yeah, so um, it's something that I'm passionate about. And I try to help anybody who's trying to re-enter the workforce. And my recommendations um, start with, networking, join a junior league, join a network working group, whatever it is that sort of um, suits your fancy of where you think you'd like to work, get out there and start meeting with people because I found the, um, the women leadership, frankly, at the junior league were so supportive of me. And then you got to volunteer. So volunteering to do uh, the silent auction at a museum or somebody's gala, helping them with their um, press releases, all of that rebuilds today's experience for your resume and it's extremely relevant. That's outstanding, that's outstanding. So tell about the Maryland Chamber. Tell us to let folks know about the Maryland Chamber. So the Maryland Chamber is an outstanding organization. We, um, we are the business advocacy organization for the entire state. And what that means is there are a lot of other associations out there, but we are the one organization that is comprehensively looking at every facet of policy that comes down as to how it will affect both the employer and the employee. And so I have a mighty team of uh, nine right now. We were a little bit larger pre-COVID uh, and they, uh, two full-time lobbyists and probably uh, 12 different volunteer committees that are made up of business leaders throughout the state of Maryland that help us move that ball up the field. Cool. And so talk about entrepreneurship in that, you know, the role that entrepreneurship has so for Maryland. And Jen actually just got off a call with the Maryland Economic Development Commission, which I'm, I'm on. And they talked about uh, that actually through COVID, we've seen a spike in entrepreneurship. We've seen a spike in, 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 the, in the venture capitalists come to the state. So what have you seen from the chamber from that, from that perspective? Yeah, so we're seeing the same thing. And when we look at entrepreneurship, it's, it's a great way for all kinds of people to invent themselves, reinvent themselves, or return from incarceration even. Mm -hmm. And we love it because entrepreneurs are growing the jobs for the state, while on the, the other side of it, the Maryland Chamber is working so hard to make the state more competitive. And so working with groups like TEDCO, you are incubating those next big companies, and we love it. That's cool. And we appreciate the support that you've given us and continue to give us and will give us as, as we move forward. So um, let's kind of pivot a little bit and just have a little fun. Um, so let's just talk about you some more, if you don't mind. And let's talk about the big C, the, the COVID. So, mm. you know, January last year happened and you, you kind of happened so you had all your plans. But tell me, you know, we've been into this for a year now, obviously, uh, probably a few more months to go. What's Christine done just to kind of keep her sanity. What have, what have you done for fun or to, to break the monotony, as I, as I call it, the, the, I don't know, I'm not sure if it's the uh, redundancy of the monotony that's killing us or the monotony of the redundancy, uh, but one of those two <laughs> is, 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 is killing. So what have you done to deal with that? So it's, it's really true. And when you lead an organization, it's hard to think about yourself. I worry about my staff, their, their mental wellness, because it's been so stressful. Uh, but for me personally, I have been reading a lot, not necessarily the highest quality literature to give myself a mental break. 
I won't say exactly what, but how <laughs> PG ask rated. How PG rated. And also riding my bike, getting out in the fresh air really, really helps me. And even working outside during the day, I try to move outside and just be in nature while I'm working. And that's very, very helpful too. What do you think you're going to keep doing after we start, you know, becoming human again? Uh, what are some of the things you think you're going to hopefully maintain that, that you've been, that you picked up during this time? Yeah, so um, I was a curmudgeon before COVID, and I was not a big fan of remote work, was very reluctant to give up control. Um, and what I realized is that I had uh, top quality leadership on my team who could manage themselves very professionally is the first thing. And then secondly, we had no choice. Mm -hmm. And when we had to lock it down, luckily, our technology was really strong and in place so that we could pivot to remote. And it's been fantastic. And I think the thing that I will do more of that I hadn't done before is have those one-on-one -on -one conversations with folks, because I kept trying to check in with all the different members of the team to make sure everybody was thriving. And when you can't walk past their office and even exactly. peek in and see, how are they looking? Mm -hmm. I think that's the thing that I'll do more of, and whether it's remote or in person, just taking that time to really dial in on the individual members of the team. That's important. Yeah, I agree with you. I mean, um, the, we, I don't think we recognize those hallway, what I call the hallway, the, the water cooler conversations and the importance of those. And that's difficult to do uh, because this is such a scheduled, we're so scheduled now, right? We right. don't, the impromptuness if you will, has been lost uh, because right. of the scheduling of, of COVID. Um, and so I'm with you, you know, how do you, but how do you balance that? Because I think we've, we've learned that, you know what, we could, we could actually get some stuff done working from home um, mm -hmm. and not having to be five days. And so, but, but from a, so that's from a chamber organization, but what do you see for the state of Maryland? How has how COVID impacted kind of that business opportunity for, for the state of Maryland? Yeah, so it's been um, feast or famine. There are some folks that have had a fantastic experience and their business has grown. Um, it's also been a, a balancing act for like our construction partners. Mm -hmm. The intensity of the oversight, the people coming to check and see if their employees are masked up. Are they six feet apart? Can you imagine building uh, a major building in downtown Bethesda with those kind of restrictions. And so I think that's been a real challenge, but they have succeeded and thrived. Mm -hmm. The thing that I worry the most about are the parents that had to stay home and try to work and manage children. Mm -hmm. I didn't have that. Luckily, my boys are all out, out of the house, paying their own keep, <laughs> make sure I say that. Um, and, and so the, they have been superheroes to me, the, the women, sometimes it's been the men, but to have a three-year-old needing to be entertained and wanting them to grow in their knowledge base while you're trying to pay attention to what's happening day to day, it's been such a struggle. So I really applaud the parents that have managed it and, and their marriages are still intact. In <laughs> <laughs> insanity. Big deal, I mean, yeah. So a couple of, couple of paths to go down there. One, I want to actually go back. You named a couple of industries, but if you could spend a minute talking about particularly the impact uh, to the live entertainment and, and the tourism uh, industry and, and how you see that kind of playing out uh, over this next year or so? 
Yeah. So, I mean, one of my uh, sons is an opera singer and his oh, wow. world literally collapsed in the middle of April last year. His um, young artist program dissolved and he had to reinvent himself. So I have um, a great um, affinity and also uh, compassion for what all of those folks have gone through. So I think the recovery is going to be slow for them because people need to get vaccinated. And until we reach herd immunity, that's going to be the key. But after that, I think it's going to explode and people will be there more than they ever have because they've missed it so, so much. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, that's that's going to be the key. I, I, one of the statements I make is um, we can vaccinate and I've been blessed. I've been able to get my first shot. Um, we can vaccinate against this. But you can't vaccinate us against the fear. There's still going to be a, a, a set of folks who are, are not going to feel comfortable uh, being sure. around others, regardless of, of the vaccine. Right. Um, and so, yeah, this is industry. And then the restaurants. How about the restaurants? How, how you know? What are you seeing from those from that industry? You know, God love them. They really have been hit the hardest um, here in Annapolis. I was so gratified to watch people patronizing, doing the drive up. Mm-hmm. picking up their meals, picking up their cocktails, even buying gift certificates and then sticking them on the cool? front of the cool. fridge. Yeah, yeah. Just because, I mean, we did that. And, and over here in, on West Street and in the West part of downtown, we had so many, some that had just opened. One guy just lives up the street from me. And so we went down and bought gift certificates. And, um, you know, the other people that were impacted, the waiters and waitresses, some stayed on to help their owners stay in business and they didn't get to collect unemployment, but they also didn't get tips. And so the the dramatic impact of that, that's so crushing to me. And I I want to thank them. I want them to have more support. And so I, I hope that people will return with a really robust affection for being out. But what you're speaking to is, you know, even in this era where there's all kind of political angst and, and the like, the, mm-hmm. at, the, at the end of the day, the spirit, the, 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 we all see each other as humans. At right. the end of the day, we see each other as humans and we, we want to, and I think there's a part of us, regardless of, you know, different the things that divide us, that we see another human hurting, we want to help that human regardless. And, and so what you just described is that, right? I would agree with you 100%. Yeah. So you, you mentioned also, because uh, I agree with you, going back to you, you, you talked about what happens during this because uh, I've got two teenagers. And so, you know, they're self-sufficient. I mean, I, I, I joke, if we see our son once a day, we're, we're, we're happy <laughs> and we know he's still alive. But you're right, those with, with the little kids, um, oh, yeah. having to be, you know, tutor and lunch person and technology person and, and do all those things and then still do a job. Um, and how they're going to transition out of this is going to be. So anything you're hearing about how that's going to happen, because, you know, as, as because it's going to be, I think, um, not even how schools go back uh, and how, how workers go back. And that unevenness is going to create, I think, some friction in, in some families. Yes, it definitely is. So my husband's an eighth grade science teacher. And one of the things that he's seeing as they are re-entering the classroom is that the colleagues that do have young children can't put them anywhere. There's, there isn't enough daycare. And so they aren't themselves able to return to school, even if they wanted to. And so uh, the education piece of this, there's going to be much longer standing impact on that. 
Um, we, we work really hard on getting the child care centers reopened sooner with a greater capacity because of that. Um, but I also think you're going to find that there are going to be a lot of single parents mm -hmm. that are dropping out of the workforce and, you know, majority are going to be women. Mm -hmm. And that's going to create a much longer problem. Mm -hmm. um, the kids have to come first. They'll eventually get to school, but they are going to have to put that priority first. And so what I think we'll see is some more reinvention, um, more entrepreneurship. People mm -hmm. will figure out a way, whether it's Etsy or uh, doing a startup in their garage. I think we'll see more of that and they'll do it off hours, which means they're going to be exhausted. Well, yeah. And I want you to spill on that because I think uh, particularly given this is a Tedco Talks, people think of entrepreneurship as, as something that's got to lead to the next Google, the next Airbnb. And that's just not the case, right? Entrepreneurship is about seeing a problem and being creative about how you can solve that problem, right? And, right. and so what are you seeing there and what's the chamber helping to do that, helping with that? So the chamber uh, continuously focuses on helping support the competitiveness of the state. And so when there are technology startup tax credits, we're going to fight for those and fight for them to be expanded so that when they come to the TEDCOs of the world, you guys have an even more robust ecosystem to support those businesses with. And then we, we do a lot of work with the Small Business Development Center and pushing people to work with them who don't even realize they can get free support all the way from the business development and getting your, your plan together for the bank all the way to whatever, marketing, um, second stage marketing, how to do your branding, all of that is there. And then if you really get going and you want to start exporting, there's support for that. Mm -hmm. So just making those connections and tying people to the proper resource for them place like Tedco is really what it's all about for us. That's standard. That's outstanding. That's that's great. So you talked about, because it's funny, the, the stats you mentioned about the women, they mentioned that also the, at the Economic Development Council, that women are leaving the workforce faster uh, than, than, than men are for a variety of reasons that you, you mentioned. Um, and how that's going to impact, you know, the how do we make our economy, because as we come out of this, how do we make it more equitable, uh, more inclusive? Uh, how do we make sure that there's a participation that makes sense? And that's one of the things we, we're focused on in Techco is how do we make sure we talk about wealth expansion and wealth inclusion, but talk to us, talk to, uh, talk to our listeners about what the chambers on this, this whole diversity inclusion, ensuring that as we grow our way out of this, that it includes uh, a, a number of people that normally don't get included. Sure. And by the so way, you, are, mentioned, and you mentioned uh, the returning citizens, so I really would love you to, to, to yes. speak to that. So I'll speak to that, and then I'll speak to um, one other point. So we, we're pretty passionate about justice reform and second chance opportunities at the Maryland Chamber. And we see that as um, our duty to normalize the conversation about employing people who have been incarcerated, served their time, paid their debt to society, but now need a pathway, a runway yes. to be successful, to recapture their lives, to take a leadership role in their families, to have a roof over their head. We see that as the an imperative because after that, suddenly kids are seeing mom or dad go to work on a regular basis. There's 
money in the bank, there's food in the refrigerator, and pretty soon they can start to normalize and go to school and do what they're supposed to do, which is to learn. Yep. And so um, I point out BGE has a wonderful program. They're either in their third or their fourth, fourth cohort where they have partnered with Civic Works mm-hmm. and they are taking classes of 12 individuals. And Civic Works is providing the social, mental support. And BGE is doing the training. And these folks come out of that and they could be entrepreneurs, but they could also go to work for BGE in a really good living wage kind of a career. I love it. Love it. Love so it. we think that's the right thing to do to normalize the conversation with the business community. We'd like to get immunity passed for employers that do hire previously incarcerated to protect them from frivolous lawsuits. And hopefully at some point we'll get that across the finish line. And then the other part of it is to um, broaden the conversation about diversity, equity, and inclusion. Mm-hmm. And our toe in the water for that, because we really wanted to add to the conversation and we weren't sure where we fit in to everything that was going on. And so we created a six-part series every other month where we bring in experts from our large multinational companies and they are talking best practices because our small to mid-sized companies, they don't have the bandwidth Mm -hmm. to do this themselves. They don't have HR departments. And so by talking about what they're doing at BG&E and Comcast and Kaiser Permanente, we can show what's possible and then downsize it for the smaller business, Mm -hmm. provide takeaway resources that they can then use over time and make meaningful changes and action happen within their own four walls. And that's where it starts, small but then it spins up into lots of people taking small actions. I love it. And do you have are there some metrics that you're going to be using to judge kind of the success of both of these programs? Sure. So with the equity and inclusion webinar series, obviously we're paying attention to how many people are dialing in, but those resources are recorded and then they go onto our website as an evergreen resource. And we're watching how many downloads are happening after the fact. And so every couple of months we push something out marketing-wise that says, and don't forget, now we've done five of the six parts. You can go back and look at all of them. Like it's not it's not one and done. And so that's really been helpful. Um, on the other side, um, the second chance work is going to take a longer uh, mm-hmm. time. We, we need to make it an absolute part of the system in Maryland. And I know Secretary Green's working hard on this with, with his team that Before a person is released, they have every bit of paperwork they need to function outside those four walls, like the driver's license, the social security card, the birth certificate, those basic documents that would allow them Mm -hmm. to access resources. Maybe they need food stamps. Maybe they don't have a job yet. And then what we did was we toured lots of different programs like Second Chance, Civic Works, volunteers of um, Chesapeake and looked at the way that they're promoting. And then we made a resource page and we put an op-ed in the Baltimore Sun and we started getting letters from inmates asking how we could help them get training after they were released. And so I think that's one of the most gratifying things that's happened with my team. They got so excited about that. And we now have a resource and we send it out to them. And uh, to Secretary Green's credit, he also has regional 
resource people that are applied to the various facilities, and we push their contact information out as well. Oh, that's beautiful. So, I mean, and that's a group of folks who need, you know, they need the help. And so that's, that's, that's the, so I'm, a, you know, and whatever we can do, matter of fact, we're thinking through, uh, just so you know, um, we have what we call our builder fund, and that's for socially and economic disadvantage. And so one of the things, and we should, we'll definitely work with you, how can we put part of that and focus it on returning citizens that might have entrepreneurial ideas uh, that could eventually be get funded uh, through TEDCO? And so we'd love to work with you on that. Yeah, that's great. I mean, we could create a web of the training programs that are out there and make sure that they're totally connected with you when somebody does come out. And um, Marty Schwartz at Vehicles for Change says, you know, we spend a lot of time with these folks, getting them ready to actually function. You know, they didn't have cell phones before. They didn't have the Internet. There's a lot of training beyond working on the engine and the car. It has to go on to create a good, strong foundation for these folks. So connecting you with all of those programs would be a really good move. I love it. Love it. So, you know, Christina, as you as you back back to COVID just a little bit, as you think about how you thought about if you could when you had your crystal ball, I'm sure you had a crystal ball and back in January of a year ago, you had a sense of what you thought the chamber in Maryland would be five years from now. How has that shifted, if if at all, because of COVID? You know, what you thought five years from now, Maryland Chamber would be doing and would be about, how any, how has any of that shifted because of COVID? Sure, so I think the realization that exponential change, things are happening at a much, much faster pace. Mm -hmm. There's less time to do some of these um, real imperatives that are going to make a difference. There is no time to wait to support the underserved and underrepresented like that has to be a part of every business's plan today, not in a year, today. And it doesn't matter how small the effort, it's the effort has to happen. And then I think we're going to see um, a much different work environment. So mm -hmm. I'm waiting to see what my team members want to do, if they want to continue virtual mm -hmm. or not. Actually, think they miss each other, which is great. <laughs> they want to just, you know, hang out in the kitchen at lunchtime and catch up on what's going on in each other's lives. It's a little harder to do that during Zoom calls. Yes. Um, and I also think that the legislators that we work with so closely have recognized that there are some things that are more important than others. And so I think we'll see a shift in the focus of legislation that's coming down and, and health and wellness and family that's right. is going to be a bigger focus. I couldn't agree more. I couldn't agree more. I couldn't agree more. I think, yes, you know, um, I saw a report that we've adopted some of the changes like in, re in, in, in uh, retail, the, the, the adoption of digital currency and all of us kind of ordering online. Mm -hmm. That has, that, 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 that we have five years of growth and five years of adoption in a year, just, just in that one, just in that one sector. Uh, and you'd write about construction, how construction had to modify and change and how that's gonna get carried over. But even, even uh, to your point of live music venues, I think some of them got really creative about how they had to think about this and how they're gonna translate that when we come out of this. So there's, there's gonna be a lot of interesting, and then digital health is gonna, I think, gonna take off. Uh, digital health is gonna be just a huge issue. I mean, a huge opportunity going forward. Absolutely. I love the fact that I could just get on a call with my doc and say, 
here's what's going on. I know exactly what this is. And you don't have to drive and you don't have to expose yourself and you don't have to sit there and wait. It's it's brilliant. And it would not have happened were it not for COVID. It would have dragged along. Adoption would have been really slow. Absolutely. Well, look, as we close, I want to have just a little fun. I'm going to say a few words. And first thing come to mind, you know, kind of fast and furious, right? Um, Let's see what I want to start with. Annapolis. Seafood. Florida. Warm, warm, warm weather. (laughs) Massachusetts. No. (laughs) Um, COVID. Screeching halt. (laughs) The Maryland Chamber. They are warriors. They are fighting for business, make the place more competitive to give people jobs, more jobs, more opportunities for internships. And I have to close with Tedco. Awesome entrepreneurship, fostering amazing growth and amazing Maryland grown businesses. Well, thank you for that. Thank you for that. Well, look, Christine, I can't tell you how much I, I, I appreciate you, appreciate your 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 service to the state of Maryland and obviously our relationship and that will continue to grow from this. And thank you for all you do for Maryland, for the chamber. Thank you for, for this, for your time today. You're welcome. Thank you, Troy. Appreciate you. So to the listeners, thank you again. Uh, hope you all have a super, super week and we'll see you next week on Take Talks. This is Troy Lamel Stovall signing off. Thank you. Thanks again for listening and a special thank you to our guest, Christine Ross, for joining in today's discussion. For more information on TEDCO and its activities, check us out at www.tedcomd.com. If you enjoyed today's discussion, consider sharing and subscribing to TEDCO Talks.